For those of you that were a part of our business meeting that we had a few weeks ago, you'll recognize that Pastor Jeff began to share with us some statistics that on any given Sunday, there's a congregation of people that are watching us online from Ghana. There's a congregation of people that are watching us from, from Ireland. There's clusters of people that are watching us in California and in Arkansas, and I believe Iowa was mentioned. And so I want to welcome all of you today, wherever you may be watching from. We are in a new world, and how God takes His Word and begins to spread it out is, is unique, but we want God to do everything that He wants to accomplish. And so for those of you that may be here today or those that may be watching online that don't know me, my name is Doug DeMent, and I have the wonderful privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And I have a word from the Lord for you today. For the past several weeks, since the beginning of January, I've been in a series about when the church prays. And early in that series, we were talking about the approach with which we take when we come before God in the way that... Um, the personality of our expression to Him when we're talking to Him, sharing with Him the things that are going on in our life, the way that we pray for those that are lost and things of that nature. And then the last several weeks, we have recognized that a part of our prayer life is stopping at the end of all of that and just listening, that God has languages that He speaks to us. And today I want to talk to you about the language that God speaks to us through other people, how God speaks through other people. I want to once again just recognize the work of Mark Batterson because it's been so helpful in so much of this particular series. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read the first verse to you because it will become a springboard for the thoughts I have over these next few moments. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Father, as we come before you today, we're so grateful that we have already sensed your presence here through the way that we've been able to worship you. You said you inhabit the praises of your people. We know that you are living here right now. And so, God, what we ask is that you would take the fresh bread of your word and that you would nourish us and grow us and that we would grow more mature in you because of the way that we eat your word and we allow it to develop characteristics within us that are more Christ-like. Speak to us today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. On February the 26th, 1962, John Glenn sat atop a 95-foot-tall intercontinental ballistic missile at Cape Canaveral. Scott Carpenter uttered the famous words that those of you that may be history buffs can remember when he said, Godspeed, John Glenn. And the Mercury Atlas VI blasted off from complex number 14, and it reached a velocity of 17,544 miles per hour. He orbited the earth three times, splashed down four hours, 55 minutes, and 23 seconds later. John Glenn instantly became a hero, the first American to orbit earth. In fact, he was the one that got to sit in the car through all the ticker tape parades that took place in cities around the world. He became the hero, but I want you to know something. Even heroes need help, and epic stories have great backstories. You see, the greatest challenge that was facing NASA wasn't getting a man into space. It was returning him safely back to Earth. 
And that's where a woman by the name of Catherine Coleman Goble Johnson enters into the equation. She calculated Glenn's re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere, and she, being one of the brightest mathematical minds in the world, was chief among the reason why he was able to get back. Interesting enough in all of this is that she had to overcome two significant challenges to even be a voice to be spoken at that time. Number one, she was a woman in a man's world. And number two, she was a black woman in a white man's world. For those of you that may have seen the movie Hidden Figures, you'll know that there was uh, black employees' bathrooms at Langley Research Center that she had to go to. And in the middle of all of this, she became a voice that spoke the reason for the success of what took place. In fact, she was so smart when it came to calculating trajectories and computer launch windows that NASA, even though they had an IBM computer on site that was working, John Glenn would not trust it over her mind. And so before he went, he said, check the figures with the girl. Go check the figures and check the numbers with the girl. My point is this. People whom you will never know their names, you've never heard of, have taken part in changing history. People that we are totally unaware of. I'm not sure that we would ever have known Catherine Johnson's name had she not been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom at the age of 97 years old. But we likely would never have put a man on the moon without her. In fact, when we did go to the moon, did you know it took 400,000 people doing their jobs to get us there? There were a number of different names that we could go along, but one of the stories that I loved as a backstory to this was a woman by the name of Eleanor Foraker. She was the seamstress that made the suits that they wore on the moon. She tells the story that as her company designed those and she hand-stitched all of that, that she got a little nervous when our astronauts got on the moon and began to dance and swing and, and play golf. She was hoping that the seams that she had sewed would stay together. You see, nobody accomplishes anything alone. Behind every John Glenn is a Catherine Coleman Goble Johnson. And that trend is true in Scripture as well because behind every Moses is an Aaron. Behind David is a Benaiah. Behind Esther, there's a Mordecai. Behind Elisha, there's an Elijah. Behind Timothy, there is a Paul. No one gets where they are by themselves. And the Hebrew writer calls this for us. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This morning, I want to explore with you just for a few minutes about one of the ways that God speaks His language to us is through other people. And I want to approach it this way. I, I, I debated. There was a number of different ways I could have gone, but I settled on this. They come as intentional voices or they come as random voices, and then sometimes God uses our voices. Intentional voices are people that you intentionally give the opportunity to to speak into your life. You have relationships with them. They include, I trust, your pastors and, and your spouse. Maybe it's your grace growth group leaders or the people that sit with you there, your mentors, your best friends, your friend at church. These are people that you have interaction with that you've given the ability to speak into your life. 
Random voices might be people that you really don't know well. Maybe it's a voice that comes out of left field, or it might be people that you kind of know, or maybe some people here in the church can be your randoms that you don't know well, but God uses them from time to time. But I do believe that God aligns us with people in our life for divine conversations. And sometimes God places you in a situation where you hear something that directly relates to a circumstances and causes you to pause and ask yourself this question. God, are you trying to speak to me? So let me start this morning with the intentional voices that you have within your life. These are people that you choose to listen to. People who have a regular voice within your life. People that you invite in. People that you permit to speak into your life. Think about in the Bible about how different things would look if some people had just taken better advice. For instance, what would our world look like today if Adam and Eve had not listened to the serpent, but instead had taken the advice of a God who told them everything they wanted to know? Can you imagine what history would look like if Samson had listened to the Lord rather than his lust? Can you imagine what it would be like if Aaron had not listened to the crowd to make a golden calf, but in fact had remained loyal to the Lord. Because I do believe that God will use regular people that you give permission to speak into your life, and then you have to evaluate. And you take and you, you listen to the influence of the words, and you take them before the Lord and ask Him to affirm their wisdom or direction or confirm what He's doing. One of the things that we need to be cautious of is this. It doesn't have to be an uber-spiritual moment that resonates with spiritual power and gives you goosebumps to be the voice of God through another person. Sometimes God speaks to us through common wisdom. Sometimes He uses somebody's life story, and they begin to share things, and there's a natural wisdom that is accumulated through that that we begin to listen to. Sometimes He gives to us practical revelation and advice just to listen to other people that helps us on our journey. I do not know about you, but I would rather learn the hard lessons by having you go through it than me. There are people who are out there who have similar pathways. I always find it fascinating when our teenagers tell us as parents, you had to learn the hard way. I want to learn the hard way. And we're going, you are so stupid. <laughs> now, we might not say that to them realistically, but that's what we're thinking that there are voices that you can listen to that you will not have to have the scars that we went through if you'll just listen to these voices. And so don't discount that. Sometime revelation comes over a cup of coffee or having breakfast with Pastor Pablo. Sometimes it comes with a person that you may be just sitting with at church. But if you will learn to look and listen for God, God will speak to us through other people. There's a great example of this that's found in Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to read a few verses of it. It says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. In other words, all these people are just standing there waiting on him. And when his father-in-law saw all of this that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me and seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, 
When you were, what you were doing is not good, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. Listen now, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representatives before God and bring their disputes to Him, but teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God and are trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens and have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have every difficult case brought to you, the simple cases they can decide. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And verse 24, Moses listened. Moses listened to his father-in-law. I don't know how many of you have father-in-laws out there, but maybe this is God saying, you should listen to your father-in-law. My daughter-in-law and son-in-law may be listening right now. He chose capable men from all of Israel, and he placed them as leaders of the people and officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, and they served as judges for the people of all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. It doesn't matter how important you are in the kingdom of God, there's always somebody that can speak into your life. Another powerful example of a divine conversation, but it was a completely different scenario, was when David needed to be confronted, and Nathan the prophet came and he spoke to David because he had broken God's law and disappointed him after having slept with Bathsheba. And so Nathan comes to David, and rather than speaking to him directly, he comes in the form of a story. Now, for those of us that love stories, this resonates with us. And Nathan comes and he tells a story about a poor man with one little ewe sheep, and there's a rich man that has flocks and flocks of cattle and sheep, and yet the rich man takes the one little sheep that was so precious to this poor man, and David is ripped up by that story, and he engages with it, and he gets angry, and he stands up and he begins to yell, what should be done to that man? And Nathan stops in that moment and said, that man is you. And by verse 7, he has been confronted with his sin. And by verse 13, David is saying, I have sinned against the Lord. And it says, and God took his sin away because somebody was able to speak into his life. You see, without the influence of other people, you and I can develop uh, blind spots in our life and blind spots in our spiritual journey. There is a perspective that each person has that... When we allow them near us, they can begin to speak to things that we didn't think of and that we don't see, that God sometimes uses other people to speak into those and brings that element to us. But what we need to understand is this, as it related to Moses and as it related to, to David, is the men that spoke into their life had a relationship with them. They were able to speak these things because they were trusted people. It was the relationship aspect, an element that made Jethro and Nathan good speakers and Moses and David good listeners. I attended a conference back in September from, that was produced for all of the ministers in the New York network. Gordon McDonald spoke. And I remember sitting next to Cindy and I was jotting down notes because he told us the value of having capital F friends within our life. He says, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that you consider friends, but there's very, very few that have a capital F, meaning they really know your life. People that you trust, people that know you love God and they love God and they love you, but they will speak the truth to you in, in an honest and prayerful way. 
And maybe you formalize that connection and ask them to be mentors in your life, or, or maybe you just have them as a, a capital F friend that you can sit with and just bounce things off of, but you know that they can be trusted. So if you are choosing a mentor today, if you're choosing people, well, how can I have these capital F friends in my life? Let me share with you three qualities real quick that you're going to want to look for. Number one, they need to be fruitful. Choose people with good life experience. Choose people that are farther along on the journey of life than you are. If you want to know about marriage, bring somebody in your life that's got a good marriage and ask them, how did they accomplish that? What went on? If you want to buy a house, talk to people who have done that before. Someone that knows about raising kids, talk to them. We learn through life experience of of others that makes things wiser for us as we move along. Instead of having to learn the hard way, choose people who have already demonstrated a fruitfulness in that area of life. Secondly, choose people with a godly attitude. I said that there are two types of people in this world, and this can go any number of different directions, but for the purpose of this message, there are people who live constantly with a bad attitude. They are suspicious of everybody. They are better at complaining than complimenting. They can find the fault in anyone and anything, and people who are like this are often lonely because they generally are not life-giving in their conversation. Now, you begin to hold that up to the Scripture that tells us what we should be looking for in Philippians 4, 8 when it says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good or of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, choose people who refuse to be drawn into the negativity of life. Because if you do, they will draw you right down with them. You want people who will give you God's advice, not just good advice. Thirdly, Choose people that have a heart for you. The person that you listen to should have a heartfelt concern for you, your physical, emotional well-being, for your relationship with God, for for the work that you do in the kingdom of God. They must care about you, and it's evident in the way that they always point you to Jesus. And the thing is that you and I are most likely to listen to people like that if we know they love us, if we know they care about us. I am usually way more likely to hear something that God is speaking when it comes through Cindy because I know that she loves me like nobody else in this world loves me. It's a challenge to her on days, but she does. And I know that nobody in this world wants what's better for me than she does. So God regularly uses her voice to address things in my life. However, she also knows how to correct me. And bring things to my attention that I need to know. If you choose people and surround yourself with people that will only validate what you do and endorse what you want to do, then you will find that they no longer are advisors, they are cheerleaders. And sometimes cheerleaders cheer for the wrong thing. The people that love you the most will say at times to you things that may be the hardest for you to hear. But God has placed them in your life so that you can evaluate that counsel to the word of the Lord, and God may very well speak to you through that. I have discovered in my experience, and maybe it's the same for you, God speaks to me through friends far more frequently than he speaks to me through strangers. 
Speaking the truth in love is an earned right. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Speaking the truth in love is an earned right. It is the byproduct of relationship. The stronger the relationship, the more weight the words carry. I have three men in my life that completely understand the nature of my life and my ministry. We have a 25 to 35-year history together. And Pastor Pat Hilke, Pastor Bill Kirk, Pastor Paul Keir, not only do these men know me extremely well, they know my whole family. They know my wife and they know my children. And I know their wives and I know their children and their grandchildren. And so as a result of that, they have become like extended family to me and I to them. And as a result of that relationship, we have been able to sit down and really work things out in conversations because we know each other so well. Let me tell you something. Those things don't happen overnight. It takes a little while to develop them, but they are worth having. They have been tremendous sources of counsel and wisdom and have been used as the voice of God many times in my life. And interesting enough, this is one of the ways God speaks to us. I believe that God often gives us wisdom more than answers. He gives us wisdom more than answers. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me go to Scripture in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks answers, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. In other words, God will take wisdom as the way that you apply the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that you gain in ways that will best suit you. So God is saying, what I will do is I'll take all of your life experiences, the things that you learn from others, and I will give you wisdom on how to apply these in such a way that your life is blessed and I'm glorified. I'll give you the wisdom to do these things. And so we go through the book of Proverbs, and let me just share with you some, some quick things as it relates to wisdom and the counsel and advice of trusted friends. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 13, 10, pride only breeds quarrels. Pride only breeds quarrels. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Proverbs 27, 9, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and pleasantness of one's friends springs from earnest counsel. Listen, I don't make big decisions without advice. I am not that smart. In fact, one of my friends, Bill Kirk, often says it this way, all of us is smarter than one of us. Many of you will be able to identify people in your life, people that you are open to, and I would ask you to take the time and make the time to sit with them and speak with them. It just might be that God will speak to you through other people. So those are the intentional voices, but then there's also the random voices, he speaks through random people in random situations, and it amazes me how this happens from time to time. I want to put within that category what we already heard this morning is sometimes God speaks through the gifts of the Spirit in a church service in a random way. And the reason that I, I say that that might be a random way is because these are spiritual gifts. It might not be people that you even personally know. But by the response today from what we heard, there was probably 15 people that raised their hand that today God spoke to them through a gift of the Holy Spirit, directly addressing their lives. 
It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it speaks about these things. And, and some of the verbal gifts that come out of that are the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, encouragement, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the interpretation of tongues. And the reason that these are random is because you didn't ask specifically for any of them. You place yourself in, a, in an arena by which these things may take place and God can specifically address things within your life. God knew the wisdom that you needed before you got here today. And because of his intensely personal nature, he says, I love speaking to you sometimes through random voices that directly affect your life. Dick Foth has been preaching for more than 50 years, but had something happen to him recently that he recorded. He said, in the middle of a message, I sensed that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and, and felt very strongly that there was somebody in that congregation that was about to plan an affair. He said, the impression came out of nowhere, but I took a calculated risk. He said, I interrupted my sermon and said, there's somebody here today that is set up to have an affair. The pieces are in place. You are planning on making that decision today, and the Spirit of God wants me to tell you, don't do it. After the service, a middle-aged man came up and gave him a huge bear hug and whispered in his ear, it was me. Thank you. Bottom line is God uses spiritual gifts in some random ways to speak into our lives. God also speaks to us in ordinary conversations. Ordinary people sitting down having ordinary conversations, and yet wisdom can come from that. In John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, it talks about Jesus having conversations with two different people. One of them was Nicodemus. The other one was a Samaritan woman by the well. Two different people, opposite ends of the social spectrum, opposite ends of even the respect spectrum. But in a normal conversation, God spoke to them. Now, when you think about it, you're going, of course God spoke to them because Jesus was there having that conversation with them. But how many ordinary conversations do you and I have in the course of any given day? How many times that just somebody will say something to us in just the course of a day and we're going, wow, I need to think about that or I need to take that to the Lord in prayer or there may be something in your life and you're going, that, that applies to me. And so different people have a different perspective on life than you do and as they are speaking, you suddenly can see things open up that you would never have known had you not had those conversations with them. And God will point out missing pieces for us so that we can be better in making decisions that we make. Thirdly, God speaks to us through the books that we read. How many of you love reading? Lots of hands. There's something about reading a book that disarms us. In fact, I have discovered in my life the Holy Spirit can confront me with things when I'm reading a book because I'm not on guard against somebody speaking to me. As a result of that, I have to sit there and I think about the words and the, the Holy Spirit begins to just let those things marinate in my mind and it can bring around behavioral change or thought change in my life because of the way that it was written. And so I, I can read a book as if it is not somebody addressing me with an agenda. And so sometimes God randomly speaks to us through the books that we read. And then I love this one. Sometimes God speaks to us through music. Ooh, did you hear that? All of you apparently have had God speak to you through that language. If you ever pull up next to me at an intersection and I'm listening to music, I'm fully engaged. And I don't care what you think. I love to sing loud. And I love to be exuberant with one hand on the steering wheel. 
I love the fact that how many times have you been driving and at just the moment when you needed something, there's a song that comes on the radio and the lyrics, you may have heard it a million times and the lyrics in that moment strike you and you sit back and you go, God just spoke to me through some music that I was listening to and it's the voice of the Spirit that begins to direct those things to us. I think that happens all the time. So our prayer should be, as we are preparing to be a great praying church, is, Lord, would you please let me be a smarter listener to what the Spirit is saying. And then lastly, God uses ordinary people sometimes to say extraordinary things. Sometimes God speaks through us. Sometimes God speaks to us for us. Sometimes God speaks to others for us, and sometimes God speaks to others for us. One of the greatest gifts that we as a church can give to one another is this, not just to pray for a person, but sometimes you need to listen for that person. Say, Lord, what is it that I could be used of? I said this earlier in this series, and and many of you have made comments on it throughout the weeks, if you want a prophetic voice, You have to ask for a prophetic ear. You have to hear what the Spirit is saying. And this comes with a caution. And and, and this is a necessary caution, I believe. Because oftentimes when we feel as if we have something to say to somebody, we may not be as discerning of the person or the situation as we need to do, as, as we need to be. And sometimes the Lord would say to us, listen, do not cast your pearls before the swine. You have to be able to discern whether or not a person that you may have a message for is able to hear it. Will they receive it? Because if they are not, then you are wasting your words and you're wasting your time and you likely wasted your influence. So if you discern a lack of readiness, you may need to do what Jesus did and hold your tongue when Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, I'm not going to say something that's not going to be in an environment where it may be received. You see, the right word has to be spoken at the right time or it could have the wrong effect. Dick Foth, as I mentioned, wonderful author. I enjoy reading some of the things that he wrote, but he had John Ashcroft, our, our about best friends. John Ashcroft, our former attorney general, was a local lawyer in the church that I grew up with in Springfield, Missouri, and they often speak of each other. But one of the things that John Ashcroft talks about him is he said, Dick Foth has a way to approach you when he, he wants to say something to you that he thinks is from God, and it comes across like this. He said, listen, if 10 is a word from God and 1 is a word from Foth, this is a 4. Or this might be a 2 or it might be a five, or maybe this is a seven. In other words, he approaches people with such a way that gives them the ability to say, listen, I I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord, but I'm a human vessel, and I have been known to blow it from time to time. And so based on the confidence level I feel in that, let me just give you a little room for my humanity, but I don't want to miss being obedient in any of this. Now listen, I think that is far wiser than we as Pentecostals from time to time feel as if we, to get our point across we yell, "Thus saith the Lord." Can I tell you that's dangerous? That is a dangerous statement to make, I believe from time to time, especially if you are hoping that that just gets somebody's attention so they will listen to you. Worship team, if you please come. Some of you have to overcome the sense in your own life that you don't have anything of value to say. 
Some of you have never been used of the Lord to speak wisdom into somebody's life and you're just sitting here going, you know, that's for other people. I, I have no confidence whatsoever. Do you know that as you grow in the Lord, confidence grows in the Lord? What I'm going to ask you to do, and because we're in the, the congregational setting of family here, my prayer for you this week is that, Lord, would you begin to develop a, a, a little boldness in us? Again, combining that with the wisdom of timing. But if you feel something in your heart for somebody else, can we learn to just say, I, I don't know if this is true or not, I don't know if it's real or not, but I feel prompted, and so I want to just be obedient to the Lord. And I've had people approach me and say, you can take this or leave it. But they were learning to step out in a boldness of the Spirit to say, maybe, maybe I'm a random voice that just wants to speak into a situation. And then there's your closest friends that look to you and say, can you, can you tell me what you think about this? And in the trustedness of that relationship, we can be honest with each other, knowing that our greatest desire is to see God glorified. I, I wrapped this message up this morning with this. Encourage a person and they will go out with courage into their world. Give grace to a person and that will ripple through the influence of their circles. Speak words right from God's heart and it will potentially have eternal effects not only in their life but also in the lives of those that they are doing life with. Give God a chance because God is speaking. He's speaking because He loves you and He's speaking because you're His child. And sometimes God's voice comes through us as the voice of another. And so like every other week, I end it with these words. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.